Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Dealing with pests can be a pain. But relax, Terminix can help. Because when pests show up, so does Terminix. With over 95 years of experience, they have what it takes to take on any pest problem fast. If your home or business has pests, don't stress it. Terminix it. Visit Terminix.com to book your appointment online today. That's T-E-R-M-I-N-I-X.com. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. Countdown with Keith Olbermann is a production of iHeartRadio. The trial of Donald Trump and the Trump 19 could begin in Atlanta on October 23rd. In such a low-key manner that it barely got noticed or reported anywhere, Fonnie Willis has now formally petitioned Judge Scott McAfee to move up the trial date for everybody to reverse his previous ruling and not sever any of the defendants from the entire roster of 19 to schedule them all to be heard from March 4th to just 55 days from now. And though this really is not a surprise, sometimes even when the other shoe falling is expected, the other shoe makes a really loud noise and even uh, bounces back up and the other shoe falls a second time. In this case, the bouncing shoe is none other than that unlikeliest of potential American heroes, Ken Cheesebro. Okay, I got a little carried away on the imagery there. But you will recall... That almost immediately after his part of this mass indictment, Cheeseboro, the impossibly named lawyer from Wisconsin who helped devise the plan to use fake electors to delay or muddy the Biden certification and enable the Supreme Court to ultimately choose the president, invoked the Georgia law requiring that every defendant get a speedy trial. That meant trial starting by November 5th. Willis responded by saying, OK, October 23rd. Cheesebro assented. That led Judge McAfee to sever Cheesebro's case from that of the other 18, including Trump. And then Sidney Powell invoked the speedy trial clause, too. And John Eastman is going to. 
while it was widely assumed and even reported that this meant everybody would go on trial on October 23rd and not March 4th, this was actually not the case. The judge had separated Cheesebro, but all the other trials are still on the books for March. So, late yesterday, Willis petitioned the judge to not sever Cheesebro's trial and, in fact, use the speedy trial provision to expedite trial for, quote, all 19 defendants and keep them intact, since, after all, this is a racketeering indictment, a sprawling conspiracy that is to be presented to a jury or juries as one gigantic crime led by Trump in which each of the other defendants is guilty to some degree, small or large. And thus we are presented with the reality that the man who may do the most to put Trump in prison before the 2024 election may be the man he turned to to engineer this half-baked plan to overturn the 2020 election. Way to go, cheese bro! District Attorney Willis, through her deputy John Will Wooten, who actually wrote the brief to the judge yesterday, also has a fallback position, quote, the state maintains its position that severance is improper at this juncture and that all defendants should be tried together, but... At an absolute minimum, the court should set defendant Powell's trial and that of any other defendant who may file a speedy trial demand on the same date as defendant Cheesebros, unquote. So, Judge Chutkin in Washington, ready to start jury selection on March 4th in the case of the United States of America versus Donald J. Trump and Donald J. Trump's lawyers conceivably having accelerated the start of the trial date in Atlanta to less than two months from now. It is still enraging that our prosecutors waited so long to act in the first place that we are in this position today, but at least you cannot argue that Fonnie Willis and Jack Smith are not literally trying to make up for lost time. Now, we need to know when the state of Georgia and maybe the Department of Justice will put this Georgia state legislator, Colton Moore, behind bars. This is that state senator, the one with the eyes on the opposite sides of his head. And he is the one who tried to get a special session of the Georgia Senate called so he could defund the Fulton County DA's office because it was prosecuting Trump. And he is the one who previously revealed he believes that the Trump 19, if convicted, faced death by lethal injection. And he is now the one serving up on the propaganda channel Real America's Voice a threat to send troopers to arrest Fonnie Willis on behalf of the state Senate and making a Trumpian stochastic promise of good old civil war. Now that we've got 19 people who are facing the rest of their life in prison because they spoke out against an election. I mean, you know, I, I told one senator, I said, listen, I said, we've got to put our heads together and figure this out. We need to be taking action right now, because if we don't, our constituencies are going to be fighting it in the streets. Do you want a civil war? I don't want a civil war. I don't want to have to draw my rifle. I want to make this problem go away with my legislative means of doing so. And the first step to getting that done is defunding Fonnie Willis of any Georgia tax dollars. State Senator Moore, two questions. A, who has all the tanks? B, who won the last civil war? Colton Moore is crazier than he sounds, and he has not even gotten his special session of the state Senate started, let alone his civil war. But at some point, one of these Republicans dangling the prospect of civil war, which is, after all, defined as the attempt to overthrow the lawfully elected government of the United States of America by violence, 
one of them is going to have to be made an example of by that government. No matter how much Colton Moore or Carrie Lake or Trump himself tries to inoculate themselves legally by bubble wrapping their siren's call, it is still the siren's call. Colton Moore didn't say protest. He didn't say argue. He didn't say petition. He said civil war. When the Black Lives Matters protesters called for reducing funding for the police after a rash of murders of citizens by the police, far-right legislators and prosecutors looked for anything up to and including the Insurrection Act to use against them, and I am not suggesting President Biden go anywhere near that, but at some point we will have to stop assuming that these bloodlusting fascists are just going to go away if we ignore their calls for insurrection, because guess what? They are not always being hyperbolic bullies on the political playground. Remember January 6th. And remember who has all the tanks. Of more immediate concern is the nuisance that state legislators like Moore or national ones like Congressman Andy Clyde, who represents the Georgia district just north of Fulton County, can produce by these constant threats of defunding Fonnie Willis's office or defunding Jack Smith's office. Clyde is on the House Appropriations Committee, and he now says he has two amendments ready to tag on to the fiscal 2024 budget for commerce, justice, and science. Amendments his committee will take up next month after the recess, and guess who they defund? And no, it's not Eileen Cannon. Clyde thinks he can take out Willis and Alvin Bragg here in New York and Jack Smith, and he's wrong about all of it. Bragg has already submitted records to the House Select Committee on the... Obstruction of justice, whatever they're calling their committee these days. Records that show he has spent exactly $5,000 in federal asset forfeiture funding on his prosecution of Trump and not another dime of federal taxpayer money, so they have no claim on him. But Representative Clyde can continue to inflame this thing and get State Senator Colton Moore to start stroking his gun in anticipation. As a very relevant aside, if you have been wondering, the funding for the special counsel, and Andy Clyde has now merely joined his fellow redneck Marjorie Taylor Greene in this hunt, the funding for Jack Smith's office is for all intents and purposes untouchable. Smith's office is funded through a permanent, indefinite appropriation cleverly nestled inside the Independent Counsel Reauthorization Act of 1987. You're going to have an independent council. You're going to have funding for the independent council. The government can be shut down completely. And some Republicans are dreaming of doing that just because they think it would shut down the prosecutions of their lord and master. The whole government could actually shut down indefinitely and Jack Smith's office would still be paying its bills and its payrolls and it would be at all of those hearings before that nice Judge Chutkin and that... Judge Cannon. Two postscripts to the Willis prosecution. There was a late twist to the Mark Meadows attempt to move his part of the trial to federal court. His lawyer's argument was that everything he did that they have charged him with, he did under color of his office. And he very cleverly tried to prove this by basically confessing to everything they've charged him with and implicating Trump wherever possible to prove he was working for Trump taps wooden head judge jones hearing that bid 
yesterday turned around and asked both the prosecutors and the Meadows team to say what they thought about this theoretical. If only one of those things that Meadows did, not all of them, just one, was under color of office, would that be enough to justify moving it to federal court? Now, I'm not a fancy big city attorney, but it seems to me Judge Jones just told us that he thinks one and only one of those things Meadows did was under color of office. I know I'm going way out on a limb on that one. Second postscript in Atlanta. I did not know this until just now. Maybe you did. Either way, it has made me giggle. Maybe it will make you giggle. Fonnie Willis has a spokesman. Fonnie Willis's spokesman is named Jeff. Jeff DeSantis. Spelled differently, D-I, Santis, but still, wow. Meanwhile, it is a remarkable reality that the Republican Party is in desperate suicide-packed thrall to Trump, and yet there are 12 other Republicans challenging Trump for the presidential nomination, nearly all of whom have made no serious criticism of him, would support him if he is the nominee, in many cases would pardon him, and would probably, if asked, give him their livers. On the other hand, until yesterday, that number was 13. The Miami mayor, Francis Suarez, dropped out yesterday. And to his credit, Suarez, who seemed like the least reality-based of the challengers, and boy, is that saying something, Suarez said that any candidate who could not meet the threshold for the first debate should drop out. He didn't meet the threshold. Then he went radio silent for a few days, apparently sitting in a room by himself mumbling, I'm not going to be president. And then he did what he said people like him should do. He dropped out. And as his reward, as the initial departee, Mayor Suarez finally gets to say he finished first in something. Nothing blossoms and wilts faster than a dark horse candidate for president whom the pundits decide is hot. And it looks like the pedals sure are falling off Vivek Ramaswamy already. His 15 minutes of fame owed largely to his insistence that he was the only one on the debate stage last week who was not bought and paid for, so I can say this, the climate change agenda is a hoax. Now, Emily Atkin of the energy newsletter Heated reveals Ramaswamy is in fact bought and paid for. Turns out he launched an anti-clean energy investment fund called Strive, which has a sub-fund literally called Drill. And guess who has $50 million in holdings in Strive? $50 million invested in making sure we burn more fossil fuels and kill everybody on the planet faster. Who has that investment? Oh, it's V. Baker Ramaswamy. Not bought and paid for by those climate change freaks. Bought and paid for by those fossil fuel freaks, yeah. Ramaswamy also got caught flip-flopping from a previous flip-flop, which is pretty impressive. It's just three weeks since he demanded this nation abandon Ukraine and focus instead on the real enemy, China. And then he backed off on that and insisted we had to change our policy on Taiwan. We should protect it 
but only until we become self-sufficient at producing the semiconductors we now buy from Taiwan. And then protecting Taiwan is no longer in our self-interest, so tough luck, Taiwan. Now he has gone on Sean Hannity and said, no, neither of those is his position. Now we should protect Taiwan until we bleed it out of all of its semiconductors and then simply return to the current Biden administration policy of strategic ambiguity. The guy is making it up as he goes along. Speaking of which, if that were not bad enough for the flavor of the month, and note, Vivek, the new month starts Friday. I'm sure you've heard this. After Ramaswamy performed Lose Yourself at the Iowa State Fair this month, Lose Yourself, an odd topic or title to perform while you're running for president. Lose yourself? Lose, comma, yourself? Anyway, after he performed it at the Iowa State Fair, and boy, did it go over big there, Eminem has sent Ramaswamy a cease and desist letter saying, hey, copyrights, we enforce them. Stop rapping Eminem's music. His campaign has now said it will abide by the letter and the copyrights, and I can only think Ramaswamy missed a golden opportunity by simply sending a copy of the video of him doing Lose Yourself at the Iowa State Fair to Eminem and writing, boy, people have called this a lot of things, but one thing everybody agrees on is that this, this could never be considered actual rapping. Also of interest here, speaking of Ramaswamy, That clip I played for you Monday when he got the coveted O.J. Simpson endorsement? I laughed. I suspect you laughed. But I have to tell you, ever since I have been having flashbacks to those horrible weeks of 1994 and to the before O.J. Simpson, I knew while I was a sportscaster in Los Angeles in the late 80s and early 90s, and I need to again try to convey to anybody who was not here for all that or can't remember it, we have seen nothing like O.J. Simpson in the nearly 30 years since. Nobody, not even Trump, who has gone from possibly the most well-liked cultural figure in the country, or at least one of them, to the nation's number one villain overnight. The transformation is still startling and disturbing, and the transformation from that to what O.J. Simpson has become now may be more disturbing. That's next. This is Countdown. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah! Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. This episode is brought to you by Terminix. Terminix can't help you run for office or take on the country's biggest problems, but they can help you solve one of the peskiest problems at home, pests. 
You know, the ants in your kitchen, the roaches under your sink, even the termites in the walls. Because when pests show up, so does Terminix. No matter what type of pest it is, they can Terminix it fast with personalized pest care that puts you in control. Their expertly trained technicians may not know intricate political strategy, but they know their local pest pressures. And with customized plans tailored to your specific situation, you get everything you need to not just get pests out, but keep them out for good. Between their speedy service, caring technicians, and over 95 years of experience, it's no mystery why they're trusted by homes and businesses everywhere. So if you have a pest problem, don't stress it. Terminix it. Visit Terminix.com to book your appointment online today. That's T-E-R-M-I-N-I-X.com to book online today. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President, Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. This is Countdown with Keith Olbermann. This is Sports Center. Wait, check that. Not anymore. This is Countdown with Keith Olbermann. In sports, authorities in Denver say the two fans who ran onto the field Monday night, apparently to get selfies with Atlanta Braves outfielder Ronald Acuna, and then got belligerent, have been charged with trespassing and disturbing the peace. If you have not seen the amateur video taken from the stands during the Rockies-Braves game... A, you should. B, Jefferson Gonzalez Merida and Carlos Rivello Paez approached Acuna, one after the other. The first grabbed him and would not let go, even as the hopelessly unready and overmatched Colorado Rockies Coors Field Stadium security arrived at the scene. The second fan tried to escape the grasp of the guards, even as they were carrying him off the field. It was an utter failure by the home team, and baseball is, not surprisingly, completely ignoring it just as baseball completely ignored it 21 years ago next month when two fans at the chicago white Sox stadium which was then still called comiskey park vaulted over the first base railing and for no reason at all blindsided and attacked kansas city royals first base coach tom gamboa with their fists the two shirtless men were father and son one of them was carrying a knife that fortunately was not used. Gamboa was okay. But it was 30 years ago last April when that was not the case. A deranged Steffi Groff tennis fan ran out of the stands and stabbed Groff's rival, Monica Sellis, in hopes of improving Groff's position in the international tennis rankings. Sellis was never the same. After 9-11, sports was the second part of our culture to fully adopt security theater. 
Transportation, obviously, was the first, and you have been screened and examined and photographed and prevented from bringing water or food with you into a game, and it's just coincidence that you have to buy water and food from the teams. But they haven't done a damn thing to actually increase your safety, nor the safety of the players. And that has never been more obvious than this week, because if you will recall, the Acuna thing in Denver was only the second extreme security breach at a Major League Baseball game since last Friday. That is when two fans were injured by gunfire in the bleachers at the same White Sox stadium at which that coach was attacked in 2002. The team and the sport spent several days trying to convince everybody that the bullets were actually fired from outside the park and yet caused one woman's hospitalization and gave a second a minor grazing inside the park. Yesterday, ESPN Chicago reported, no, no, the gun was in the park all right, in the bleachers, in the possession of the woman who was grazed by the bullet. The gun had accidentally discharged. She, according to the report, had sneaked it through metal detectors by hiding it in, quote, the folds of her belly fat. Now, as hilarious as that may sound as a picture, if that's possible, let's just contemplate the implications there for gun security everywhere. And here's something to think about going forward in sports in this country, because when Canada acts against a problem, that usually means the problem also exists in this country. We just have not noticed it yet, but we doubtless will sooner or later. As of the end of next February, the province of Ontario, you know, Toronto, Ottawa, town of Renfrew, it will make it illegal for online gambling outfits to use in their commercials and promotions active or retired athletes. Now, in this country, there is pretty much nothing but active or retired athletes in sports gambling ads, and there's pretty much nothing but sports gambling ads on all sportscasts. In Canada, hockey's biggest active stars, Connor McDavid and Austin Matthews, and its biggest retired star, Wayne Gretzky, have been featured in such spots. Gretzky and McDavid did one together. This is probably less about the prospect of scandals about fixed games or players betting on or against their own teams and more about the undue influence that the athletes have over kids and those susceptible to gambling addictions. Ten years ago, even, associating with gambling on sports could get you banned or suspended by your league. Now, it gets you a little extra money from an advertisement. If Ontario's action is any indication, however, tomorrow it might get you banned or suspended by your league. Still ahead on Countdown, since I ran that clip of O.J. Simpson Monday, I have been haunted. I have been flashed back. I need to testify to you about how popular he was in 1994, how for a week nobody believed he could have been the monster that he was, and how those of us who had covered him in the media in Los Angeles in the 80s and 90s had a vague idea he was a bad man, but we could never have known how bad and how we should have tried harder. First time for the Daily Roundup of the Miscreants, Morons, and Dunning-Kruger effect specimens who constitute today's worst persons in the world. 
The bronze, Jesse Waters of Fox, quote, news, unquote, and balloon head Charlie Kirk. Each has reported with apparent sincerity that the painting of a mural of the Trump mugshot in Atlanta is evidence that the arrest and the photograph have given Dementia J street cred. And it means he's winning over African-Americans and they can get him reelected. Both Waters and Kirk have shown images of the mural before it was completed. And whether this was stupidity on their part or it was intentional doesn't really matter. They have not updated their audiences about the fact that the artist added one final touch to the mugshot mural, a thought bubble in which Trump thinks, quote, MAGA, my ass got arrested, unquote. The runner-up, good old Matt Schlapp proving that if you are incapable of embarrassment, you can grope a male staffer, allegedly, on the Herschel Walker campaign and continue to pretend you're a good old straight family man and justified in passing judgment on the world as the head of the fascist organization CPAC, even as CPAC executives resign left and right and accuse you of more misconduct, personal and financial. The Daily Beast now reports... Schlapp made an offer to settle the lawsuit by his accuser in the low six figures, they say. A Schlapp spokesman says, quote, let me set the record straight. I believe Dr. Freud would like a word about that preamble, but to resume, there has been no settlement offer. From the outset, Mr. and Mrs. Schlapp have been and remain prepared to go to trial and are confident of prevailing in court, unquote. And boy, oh boy, do you get the feeling Mrs. Schlapp is still yet to get the surprise of her life? Something about the sound of one hand slapping? But our winner, the school board of Katy, Texas, and trustee Morgan Calhoun. Now, Roger Clemens used to work out in Katy, Texas, which is probably all you need to know about the place, but this will tell you the rest. The school board in Katy, Texas, has banned a book from the school libraries because the last thing Texas needs is smarter kids, or happier kids, or nicer kids. The book is called Itty Bitty Kitty Corn, And the crime of Itty Bitty Kitty Corn is that the cartoon cat in the title uses the word they instead of she or he. And this buffoon Morgan Calhoun evidently dropped out of school in the third grade because the sentence in question is, wow, says Parakeet, astonished. Woo, says Gecko, impressed. Finally, they see me, thinks Kitty. The use of they. They see me, thinks Kitty. That's not some communist Obama atheist Chinese deep state plot Morgan Calhoun fascist it's called proper English grammar and this bozo Morgan Calhoun says oh well maybe she made a mistake she's human well I'll need proof of that but this isn't going to stop her from banning books this is the inevitable result of book banning it's not only wrong but it is invariably done by slobs who are literally too stupid to recognize correct English grammar in a picture book with like 50 words in total in it designed for kids just learning to read. So, did Katy, Texas School Board Trustee Morgan Calhoun make a mistake? Yes, she did. And she should be fired and banned from all further association with education, private, public, or parochial in this country. And not because she's a fascist, although she is, and not just because she's un-American, though she is, but because she is a moron. 
and she is Morgan Calhoun of Katy, Texas, today's worst person in the world! Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah! Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. This episode is brought to you by Terminix. Terminix can't help you run for office or take on the country's biggest problems, but they can help you solve one of the peskiest problems at home, pests. You know, the ants in your kitchen, the roaches under your sink, even the termites in the walls. Because when pests show up, so does Terminix. No matter what type of pest it is, they can Terminix it fast with personalized pest care that puts you in control. Their expertly trained technicians may not know intricate political strategy, but they know their local pest pressures. And with customized plans tailored to your specific situation, you get everything you need to not just get pests out, but keep them out for good. Between their speedy service, caring technicians, and over 95 years of experience, it's no mystery why they're trusted by homes and businesses everywhere. So if you have a pest problem, don't stress it, Terminix it. Visit Terminix.com to book your appointment online today. That's T-E-R-M-I-N-I-X.com to book online today. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. to the number one story on the countdown and things I promised not to tell. And it was just two days ago that I heard this and played it and I had the appropriate good laugh about it. This morning I got up and I found myself watching Meet the Press. They had the Bhavik Wamaswamy on. Now, just like the um, debates, the Republican debates, I said, hey, this guy is on to something. Then he'll say something. O.J. Simpson endorsing Vivek Ramaswamy or whatever he called him, in a selfie video posted on social media. And in the time since I played that, I have found myself doing what I really do not like to do. I have been thinking about O.J. Simpson and who he really is and what we knew about him in the years I worked in local news in Los Angeles from 1985 to 1992 and the immutable fact that if you did not know the public O.J. Simpson 
who killed his ex-wife and Ronald Goldman in 1994, I can never explain, I can never convey, I can never completely describe to you just how popular he was. Maybe with some time, I can give you just a glimpse. In the sad and in many quarters still startled commemorations of the various anniversaries of the white Bronco car chase, the beginning of the O.J. Simpson most people know, there seems to be only passing reference to one of the most amazing transformations in American history, let alone just American sports history. On June 17, 1994, when the Los Angeles Police Department finally admitted O.J. Simpson was a suspect in the murder of his ex-wife and Ronald Goldman, and then said he was turning himself in, and then said, no, no, he's not, he hasn't shown up, and uh, yeah, in fact, uh, he's now a fugitive from justice, and then his attorney implied that Simpson had fled to go kill himself, and then the car chase played out in front of 95 million witnesses, all of this in one day, one of the most popular people in America instantly became its greatest living villain. There is no hypothetical comparison in the America of today with the internet, with the paparazzi, with the maxed out cynicism about sports and television and celebrity. There is nobody who was as Teflon as the O.J. Simpson of pre-June 1994. I mean, not even Trump. Trump had fans, but nobody ever liked Trump. Trump was never for a second one of the top 100,000 most popular people in the country, let alone one of the 10 most popular people in the country. O.J. Simpson was. Maybe, 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 and I apologize to her for even dragging her name into this hypothetically. Maybe it would be as if, I don't know, Taylor Swift were a murder suspect and had fled and the police chase was being shown live on literally every television channel. But that absurd hypothetical, it really isn't good enough. O.J. Simpson was not just a star in one field. He was not just a star athlete. Virtually uncriticized, instantly recognizable nationwide, he had also become one of the most prominent sportscasters in this country, and one of the most prominent actors in this country, and one of the most prominent advertising spokesmen in this country. O.J. Simpson, the football player, was one thing. O.J. Simpson was also O.J. Simpson, the rental car pitch man. Go, O.J., go. O.J. Simpson was also O.J. Simpson from NBC Sports. O.J. Simpson was also O.J. Simpson as Nordberg in the Naked Gun movies. And he was also O.J. Simpson, wife batterer. But he lived in an era, at the end of an era, where the public persona was not only all that people knew about him, it was all that almost everybody wanted to know about him. In 1994, we thought we were living in the middle of the tabloid era. In fact, we were just nine years removed from actor Rock Hudson shocking untold Americans when he died of AIDS because for 30 years, he had been the heartthrob of millions of women, a staggering percentage of whom had no earthly clue that he was gay until he died of AIDS. I loathe the tabloid era, and I lament what it has done to American sports, to American entertainment, to America. But there is one thing to be said for this America, where an actor can call his whiny little daughter a whiny little daughter and then hear it broadcast nationwide within hours. And O.J. Simpson, in this year, would not have been able to hide his true self 
for a month. Whatever the full stories are, whatever miscarriages of justice there may be in either direction, you know about Johnny Depp and Amber Heard. And you sure know about Kanye West and you sure know about Trump. And you would have known today about O.J. Simpson. Early on New Year's morning, January 1st, 1989, police went to the infamous home on North Rockingham in Brentwood and arrested O.J. Simpson on spousal battery charges. He had punched and kicked his wife. She said he had screamed, I'll kill you. He had slapped her so hard that his hand print was still visible on her neck when police arrived and took him away and took her to the hospital. And O.J. Simpson's reaction on January 1st, 1989, officers on the scene quoted him in their official report as saying, the police have been out here eight times before and now you're going to arrest me for this? This is a family matter. Why do you want to make a big deal out of it when we can handle it? Today, that callous, mindless statement would have been recorded by body cam or leaked in some other way, or somehow made it around the world fast enough that it would have been on 5 million Twitter accounts within minutes. In Los Angeles, in Los Angeles media, where I worked at the time for a television station as sports director, we didn't know about the assault until months later. Suddenly there was a story that O.J. Simpson had pleaded out an assault charge for hitting his wife. That's all we heard about it. They buried the story. We certainly did not know about the nine police trips to what would become the murder scene on North Rockingham. But we did know who O.J. Simpson was. And here is where we let everybody down. We had heard the stories hidden behind the big smile that he hit women, that police had been to his house, that while married, whenever he spoke to a group of students, he would bring his creepy friend Al Cowlings with him, and he'd have Al Cowlings approach the girls he was interested in. Having him do that would provide himself deniability. We knew. And between the laws and customs that still protected the man in domestic cases 90% of the way, and the laws and customs of a one-industry town like Los Angeles that still protected the celebrity 90% of the way, we could say nothing about his character. And so my clearest memory of covering the murder and the investigation and the hearings and the trial on SportsCenter in 1994 is not the car chase. It's not the sense of shock or revelation of the real O.J. Simpson. I never felt that. I only witnessed it in others. My memory is of sitting at my desk in the ESPN newsroom that day and first hearing of the murders and being consumed by a sinking feeling. The note in our internal computer news file said that Simpson had flown to Chicago and police were asking him to fly back to L.A., but just so they could ask him a few questions, it wasn't like he was a suspect or something. I looked into the script in the next edition of SportsCenter, and I saw it written, Simpson is not a suspect. Might as well have said it, of course Simpson is not a suspect. Over the nausea, I made a few phone calls to ex-media colleagues in Los Angeles and a police source in L.A., and I can still feel myself hanging up the phone with the police source and getting up from my desk to go talk to the news editors, to go tell people, some of whom were still saying, poor O.J., four days later, that I had just been told, not a suspect, he's our only suspect, to tell them 
that all they thought they knew about O.J. Simpson, all everybody they knew thought they knew about O.J. Simpson, all of it was a lie. And to tell them that I was one of hundreds, maybe thousands of people who had inadvertently helped to protect that lie, to protect this monster Simpson. Now, my police source had been emphatic. I'll answer your question. But whatever you do, do not say he's a suspect. We are terrified he's going to run or off himself, maybe. But yeah, maybe, and and this is the point at which he had to stop himself from laughing, maybe you want to drop that part out of the script about not a suspect. Jesus. I convinced them SportsCenter did not report that O.J. Simpson was not a suspect. They did not address it. But to be fair, those news editors and some of the on-air people spent that week until he made his run for it, convinced I was nuts and that when they found whoever had done this to O.J. and his wife, ESPN would look ridiculous. And then he made his run for it. And even after that, there were people at NBC when I first worked there in 1997, three years later, who had accepted that, yeah, he had done it, but they could never quite shake the belief that maybe, maybe there was some other explanation that nobody had thought of yet, because that wasn't the O.J. they knew. So when you see O.J. Simpson tweeting selfie videos about watching Meet the Press and Vivek Wamawami or whatever he called him, laugh. God knows I laughed. But please remember the context for the laugh. This creature was as popular and as well-known in three or four different fields in this country as almost anybody else in this country in 1994. And then he murdered two people, including the mother of his children, brutally, hands-on, face-to-face, and now, in essence, he has been reduced to nothing worse than an eternal running joke. I've done all the damage I can do here. Thank you for listening. Countdown has come to you from our studios in New York. Here are the credits. Most of the music was arranged, produced, and performed by Brian Ray and John Philip Chanel, who are the Countdown musical directors. All orchestration and keyboards by John Philip Chanel. Guitars, bass, and drums by Brian Ray. Produced by TKO Brothers. Other Beethoven selections have been arranged and performed by the group No Horns Allowed. The sports music is the Olbermann theme from ESPN2, and it was written by Mitch Warren Davis, courtesy of ESPN Inc. Musical comments by Nancy Faust, the best baseball stadium organist ever. Our announcer today was my friend Kenny Main, and everything else was pretty much my fault. So that's Countdown for this, the 966th day since Donald Trump's first attempted coup against the democratically elected government of the United States. Convict him now while we still can. The next scheduled countdown is tomorrow. Bulletins as the news warrants. Till then, I'm Keith Olbermann. Good morning, good afternoon, good night, and good luck. Countdown with Keith Olbermann is a production of iHeartRadio. 
For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Dealing with pests can be a pain. But relax, Terminix can help. Because when pests show up, so does Terminix. With over 95 years of experience, they have what it takes to take on any pest problem fast. If your home or business has pests, don't stress it. Terminix it. Visit Terminix.com to book your appointment online today. That's T-E-R-M-I-N-I-X.com. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER.